right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Sup, big dog? It. Why? Why am I what? big dog? <laughs> big dog. Okay. RCST is brought to you now. See, now I'm going to be what? so mad because we're going to be on a big mill on Friday, <laughs> and somebody's going to walk by and call me Big Dog, and I'm going to be like, "What the hell is happening here?" Sup, Big Dog? Um, we're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery here, and it well, is officially you be Big Dog instead of Little Dog. I guess. Okay, I'll go. Dude, somebody, if somebody calls, calls me calls Big dog, dog, they call you Little Dog. I'm fine with that. No, that, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. That's what you brought upon, your, upon yourself. First of all, no, <laughs> no, that's not what's going to happen. Okay. Okay, well, uh, feel free to do that. Like I said, we'll be out at Big Mail on uh, Friday. It, because it is KU football game week. KU takes on Missouri State at 7 o'clock on Friday. Pre-game will start at 5.30. We're going to actually have a live show for that event from 3 to 5.30 all the way there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of KU football this week, and I'm excited for it. We had college football over the weekend. Stephen McBride, former uh, yep. KU Jayhawk, went off. He had, what, like seven catches, 94 yep. yards, a couple uh, touchdowns? Yep. I think he had one touchdown. Yep. Yeah, against uh, Vanderbilt in the season opener, which um, I guess on one hand you could take to be like, man, that stinks, the guy's no longer here. I think more than anything, that is a pure indication of – how good this receiver unit and group is. Stephen McBride immediately goes to Hawaii and is putting up big numbers against an SEC school. Yep. And it's like, and yes, it is, you know, he, he is down in a Mountain West school and uh, you're a team that throws a lot, so the stats are going to get inflated. But like, the fact he couldn't really get on the field consistently at Kansas shows you that the depth of this program is just so much better than where it was a couple of years ago in the, of that receiver group. Yeah. And speaking of depth, mm-hmm. depth chart. That's right. That came, came out, out today. Today. Yeah, we have the depth chart in front of us. We're still waiting on an early line on the game. I did see on the ESPN SP Plus over the weekend, which typically is close to the lines. It's not always exact, but typically it's between a couple points here or there. Okay. Um, I don't know. Did you see this at all? No. no Would I you didn't. like to take a guess what it was, the the margin of victory for KU? 25. It was 19 and a half. So it had KU okay. thirty nine to nineteen somewhere in that range with the 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 margin being exactly about nineteen and a half. I'll be interested to see if the the number comes out of that. I do think if it comes out closer to nineteen or twenty, I think it's going to get bet up. I think when it's all said and done, I could see it being around like 24, 23, 24. Yeah, yeah. If it's under three right. touchdowns, I think a lot of people are going to jump yeah. on KU, and I would be someone who would jump on that myself. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll do that there. Um, but yeah, the the depth chart is out, and uh, you'll be shocked to learn at the quarterback position. Yeah. It is Jalen Daniels as the yep. starter. No. And officially, Lance Leipold <laughs> yeah. saying today. He did. We actually have some uh, clips from Lance Leipold that I want to get to here. We're going to play the entirety of the Lance Leipold audio later in the show. We also are going to be joined by David Lesky 
of uh, Inside the Crown coming up later this hour. We got Case of the Mondays. We'll recap the Chiefs game. We do have a RCSD football trivia semifinal matchup and KU football superlatives throughout the show. But uh, something that he talked about was the kind of status of Jalen Daniels. Continues to be kind of coy and kind of beat around the bush about it. But here's the first. This was just the opening question. Jordan Gusky of the Capital Journal. A little quick back and forth between him and uh, Lance Leipold. Lance is Jalen starting on Saturday, Friday, Friday. Uh, we just released it too deep, and uh, and that's that's uh, kind of where we're at right now, and it's uh, where we're going. Was there any discussion to giving him a, another week and then having him play? Against yeah, yeah, you know, um, he hasn't practiced a lot, but he, he went through everything today, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, plan on playing everybody that's available. Okay, so pretty cut and dry there. He's basically saying he was available Dude, today. The if he's available, he'll play. The too deep crap. That that that's so annoying. Well, I is it oh, weird? Oh, okay, too deep's we, out. Oh, okay, thanks. We heard another comment from um, Lance Leipold about you know how he's been going through practice and that it hasn't just been him missing like consecutive practices in a row. Here's another comment he had on uh, a question from uh, Michael Swain of Fog.net. Curious to follow up with Jalen. You said he practiced today for the game on Friday. How do you weigh him getting game reps, knocking off rust, and also limiting the exposure to potentially, you know, aggravating things? That's the balancing act that we have to do. And, you know, we're, we're getting him as, as much work as we can in as many different ways. And, again, he's been getting work. He's been been doing things and, and that. So um, to make it sound like he's never practiced in the last two weeks is not, not accurate either. So, um, but, yeah, we're, we're confident. And, um, unfortunately for him, it's something that he's that – he's gone through a little bit before is getting getting mental reps and doing things and and where he's at but I I think we're in a really good spot with him okay so the last part of that I think we're in a really good spot with him again everything that he said among those clips we showed you sounds very adamant he's going to be playing he's going to be starting the only thing that's weird is like what is it just me or is it no it's 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 kind of it's very like non-definitive yeah the phrasing of it like beating around the bush yeah I yeah I I'm not really sure. Do you think that was just to protect themselves in case there is another flare-up before the game? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or do you think there's some sort of Lance Michael that's like, maybe this is an advantage for us, for them not to know? I don't know. I mean, you know, you and I are obviously not medical doctors. But we know that when you have, there are certain types of injuries. we play one on the radio. True. There are certain types of injuries that have a tendency to be, can be nagging injuries or can flare up. One of them being prominently the back injury, back injuries like this, back tightness, back spasms, that kind of stuff. So uh, that is a concern, certainly, that it could be just, you know, he wakes up Friday morning and, ah, can't move. Ah, eh, can't, can't turn my back. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think at this point, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about it over the, over the course of the past couple of weeks of Lance Leifold kind of playing this game of, well, if we're still talking about it next week, I'll be more concerned for like the last month. Uh, but I think at this point you just I guess you just kinda have to trust him what he's saying. I mean if yeah. I mean if he said if he is saying I'm confident, I guess you just have to take him at his word at that point and say, Okay, well then I guess we'll just go off that and call it good. I don't yeah. Know. No, I just I just I just thought it was weird how like coy it's definitely, the answers were. It's definitely a little strange. And obviously like, you know, I think the first answer, the first clip we played where he was like, Well, the two deeps out, that that's like some gamesmanship type stuff. That's yeah. some like, you know, read between the lines, whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, I guess, like I said, I think you just have to trust that Jalen is going to be ready to go and, and is going to be okay to play. And, you know, this, this is a game where 
hopefully Jalen Daniels won't have to play that much. Yeah, hopefully you you know, hopefully you'll half, be up. Right? Yeah, hopefully you'll be up by four or five scores by the time he gets to the third quarter. And at that point, you can roll with Jason Bean for the rest of the game if you want. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is not a. It's not a situation where you need to feel pressured to play him the full sixty minutes, or at least you hope not, right? You hope that by the, like I said, by the third quarter, you're up by enough points to where you can just kind of, you know, coast to the finish. Uh, by the way, Jalen was named one of the team's four captains. Mike Nowitzki, Mason Fairchild, Rich Miller were the captains. So uh, I don't think anything like super shocking there. Yeah, no surprise there. I mean, Nowitzki's been a, a veteran guy, and uh, Mason Fairchild also. And then Rich Miller, I think, has certainly He's cemented captain himself last year too. Yeah, and certainly has cemented himself as the leader. On the defensive side. Yes. Now, going through the rest of the depth chart, um, not a ton of like necessarily intrigue on the offensive side just because you have so many returning starters that it was kind of foreseen. I, there is one kind of interesting thing on the, the receiver position. You go to the ex-receiver position. There's three receivers listed. Keaton Kubeka. He's a freshman from Austin, Wait a Texas. I thought this was a two deep. Too exactly. Deep. That's what's interesting about it. Now, <laughs> there are other positions on this too deep where it has oars. So, like, running back has five guys on it because Daniel Highshaw, Dylan McDuffie, Savion Morris, and Tory Lachlan are all listed with oars. So, realistically, it's basically saying these guys like, are all tied. Yeah, for or, yeah. String at that point, could, right? yeah. Any of them could play. The, the thing that's interesting about that X receiver position is it's the only position where there are more than two names listed on it where there's not an oar. Which is again, yeah, interesting so Lawrence, it so is Lawrence a Arnold, yeah, Maka Scott is is listed as number two, and then Keaton Quebec is listed below that, right? So, you know, Brian Windhorse here, why would that happen? What why is going on? Yeah, what is going on? Whatever the, the quote is. Um, I just find that very interesting because to me, I, I think it, it sings very highly of Keaton Quebec that the staff was basically like, yeah, we know it's a two deep, but uh, this guy's impressed us so much that as a young freshman, we want to make sure he feels honored. I yeah. guess a little bit by his performance yeah. to let him know that he's working hard and it's it's being reflected well, yeah. even if he's not going to get playing time right Because, you know, the general thought process behind the two deep is if you're on that, that means you're probably going to be playing in a game, right? Like if you're on the two deep, that means you're probably going to be, obviously you're either a starter or you're a guy who is a rotation player who's probably going to be still seeing some snaps. So the fact that he is on there, you're right. It lends itself to this idea of, could be a guy that gets out there. You know, I don't know how much he'll get out there, like with the offense, but mm-hmm. maybe a special teams type. That's player. something Leipold mentioned. He'll yeah. play a lot of special teams. Yeah, yeah. So you know that there you go. And uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're a true freshman and you're getting onto the field, that definitely for sure means something. And and it's also meaningful for the future that he clearly has the leg up on the other two freshmen that that came in from the receiver group. That that he's clearly being seen kind of head and shoulders above those guys. Um, the only other one that I found at least sort of interesting on the offense, I don't know, two others. Because again, it's not that they're not interesting. It's that a lot of them I think were expected. Uh, Trevor Cardell and Jared Casey were an or. Now we we yeah. heard a ton about Trevor Cardell doing extremely well and having a great fall camp. I wasn't expecting it to be quite or. I still thought that that Casey would be ahead of him. Maybe he's still we. Maybe yeah. maybe it's maybe it's just a, a a different version. Like Casey is more of the H back guy. Cardell is more of the true backup tight end. Yeah, and we had this little mini argument off air before the show about if you look at the depth chart, it's Mason Fairchild one, Trevor Cardell is listed as number two, mm-hmm. and then Mason and then Jared Casey is or. And that to me is even more interesting because you look at all the other guys that are listed as ors. Most of them, it's pretty clear the guy that's listed first is the second is the first choice, right? I mean, you look at the running back position, it's Daniel Highshaw first, then it's or Dylan McDuffie, then it's or Savion Morrison, then it's or Tory Lachlan. So it goes in order, right? So if he's, if he's above him, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm tinfoil hatting too yeah. much here, but I don't know. Certainly interesting. interesting. 
Kobe Baines being an or with Nolan Gorchika was was not also on the left side. I, I could have sworn he was supposed to be on the right side. So, uh, but the the defense is where a majority of the depth chart. I think things uh, kind of come into question or yeah. I don't know come into focus. Well, I if guess you think now. about it, dude. In the past, there would be you could do you could talk for ten hours about the ors. You know, so <laughs> the fact that there's not that many this year is actually a positive. I would say. Yes, there's still a lot of them though. There's I, I think Lance Leipold said at his presser he. I don't know. He he mentioned there was a lot of them. He kind of joked about it. Um, I want to say there's like 15 or 16 on there. I don't know. Uh, defensive end Jeremy Robinson starting alongside. All I care about. Sorry, I just wanted to get one more yeah. thing there. All I care about is I don't see any any oars at the quarterback position. That's all I care about. That was a old staple of KU football. Correct. We've moved on from that, hopefully. Hopefully. But no, uh, no, no or for the opposite defensive end, Jeremy Robinson. I was kind of wondering if it was going to be Hatcher or Austin Booker. Instead, Austin Booker got an or with Patrick Joyner as the backup. And I'm, I'm not surprised Hatcher's going to earn the start. Um, I would not be surprised if Austin Booker ends up being your starter by week two or week three. Yeah. But I think with Hayden Hatcher, you, you give it to the senior. It's a close competition. You give it to the guy who's worked hard throughout his career, going from a former walk-on to a scholarship player who's uh, you know taking even bigger steps this year, has put in that extra work to try to make his impact on the field. Veteran player, older player. It just it's it's like a it's kind of a nod to seniority, but it's also kind of a nod to like working hard and what that can do in the locker room that gives you like a, a good kind of role model to look up to there. So I, I sure. thought that was kind of cool that that he got there without an oar. Yeah, on the D line, I think you have to remember that we've heard a lot about they're planning to rotate a lot of guys in the D-line. So even the fact that it is Hatcher listed as the starter with Patrick Joyner, I mean, would it be would it be shocking at all if their snap counts is like split 60-40 or something like that, or it's more, you know, it's not like Booker's not going to play at all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, along the D-line, I think there's going to be a lot of rotation, a lot of different guys coming in and out. So even, even though Hatcher is listed as a starter, I'm still expecting Booker to play a good amount because I think they are going to utilize that rotation of D-linemen quite a bit. So that was my big takeaway is, yeah, he's listed as a starter, but I'm expecting same goes for the D tackles. You've got DJ Withers and Tommy Dunn listed as oars. I think both of them are going to end up playing a considerable amount of snaps. Uh, it's you know it's just going to be about the rotation of you know who's your who's your first rotation, who's your second rotation. That kind of stuff matters. But those guys are still all going to play probably a, a pretty high amount of snaps. I would think. Yeah, I, I view for both defensive end and defensive tackle, both seem to be six deep, where a lot of the competition from the fifth or sixth guy is close to maybe the first or second guy, and I think that goes all the way through. But uh, Tommy Dunn being an or with DJ Withers, uh, we have heard a good amount the last couple of weeks about Withers really gaining on that spot, and that you know, I uh, I, I I thought Tommy Dunn was still going to be able to hold him off, but now I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Withers is going to end up being the guy. I, I don't think it matters. Be. Like as long as one of the two yeah, breaks out of, and is good, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, and kind of going back, like again, I, I think whichever one starts, the other one will probably end up playing a decent amount of snaps. Yes, one hundred percent. And then you move to the linebacker spots. No huge. I mean, there's no oars on the linebackers, which I was actually surprised of for the Taiwan Berry Hill JV Brown one. Berry Hill listed ahead of Brown. Um, I thought there might at least be an oar there. Mm, I'm not that surprised. It's not an oar for the uh, first game. I'm not surprised. Okay. That's fair. I just thought with Barry Hill having his injury that's basically kept him out most of camp. Yeah. That that would leave the opening there for JB Brown. Sure. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. Maybe that's more of the staff saying like we don't want to make a guy lose his spot because of injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. And then uh at the corner position Quentin Lasseter being on there with an or with Darius McGee. That's kind of interesting. Senior player. 
obviously the Lasters have done a lot for for the KU football uh, program. Yep. So uh, outside of that, the only other thing is to the special teams, which Tabor Allen going to continue to do kickoffs. How about this? Seth Keller and Owen P. Are uh, Peeper Gertis. Owen who? Owen. Peeper Gertis. There we go. Yeah. Uh, are listed as oars as the play kick, place kicker. Yeah, I was really surprised that Seth Keller and Owen were listed as uh, or because I think the general thought process was that Seth Keller was going to beat out Owen and have the starting job, but it turns out that Owen might actually still have a chance for it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's listed as an or. Seth Keller or Owen. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he might actually maybe he might actually. Uh, have a chance to get the starting job. I I was under the impression that Seth Keller was was locked in, like yeah, definitely. I was going to say, is that a little concerning to you that it? Uh, you can look at this two ways. You can look at this yep. and say that means Owen Gertis is having a great camp. You can look at it the other way that saying Seth Keller has maybe struggled lately. Yeah, yeah. I I I mean, obviously, you know, we're not there. We can't. We don't get to see them practicing or kicking or whatever. That but. tells me it's an open competition this week. Yeah. Because there is zero would, reason from would, a competition advantage, advantage standpoint to be like, we're hiding our kicker from the other team. Which, like, maybe they are. I don't know. But, but what is the purpose? They're going to scout differently? No, they're not. It doesn't matter. I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to choose to view this from the glass half full and say that Seth Keller is probably doing just fine and that Owen is performing better than expected in camp and so he's getting a little bit of a nod from the staff of saying hey you know we re- we recognize that you are having a stronger camp and i don't like like listen again i, I don't know you know I don't i'm a little concerned on that but i'm a little I guess concerned. we'll see i don't know um but if owen p can't be a kicker they can always move him to the defensive line six foot six 250 pounds i think we had why this is convers- this guy a kicker i think we had this conversation last year when we saw his size what we listed as like that's a that's a big dude. Yeah, it is. Like, you know, I don't, yeah, go play D-line. 6'6", 250. Dylan Brooks is 6'4", 240. He's bigger <laughs> than one of KU's defensive ends. Get him on defense, man. Um, punter Damon Greaves is listed with an or with the great Addison. I don't think this is an or. I think Damon okay. Greaves is starting. This is one to me where it does ring of. So you are concerned about the kicker, but you're not concerned about the I'm punter. concerned because, again, if I go back to the competitive stuff where it's like we don't want them to know who's starting here because they have to prepare differently you don't prepare differently based on the skills or the impact of the place kicker that is no impact it's them uh, kicking the field goal up or down what would you have to do differently there's not a single know, maybe thing. if you no, maybe if you no. thought that one of the kickers had like a slower wind up you could time it up and like try to block it better than the other but guy you would either way you're running field goal block either way you're trying to block <laughs> it if they're slower that's just going to help your, your play it's not you're not changing the play you're doing the same thing with punter, there could be different styles of punt. So maybe Graydon Addison, maybe he's more of your traditional punter. With Damon Greaves, he's from Australia. Maybe they're going to do the Aussie-style kicking where it's kind of the you know quick run-up to the right. and The rugby kick. Uh, the, the rugby kick, the, the skidding forward. I think it's a little silly to try to hide that because ideally you don't want to be punting at all. And beyond that, as soon as you do it the first time, every school you're playing is going to know it after that. So I don't think it's a huge that, deal to hide that. Maybe you mix it up. Maybe you... I guess you could. What if you send... Okay. Like maybe Graydon Addison is your short punter, you do like a corner split, guy. I don't know. You do like a split backfield with both Addison and uh, Damon Greaves. Mm-hmm. And then you snap it to one of them, and then either they... They punt it normally, or they do the running punt. Genius. I guess. 
I guess. That seems like a one less player it to chase. It's like a lot of out. effort yeah. for really very, very minimal Yeah, game. so I, I that one I don't believe. I, I believe it's Damon Graves, and I think they're just trying to hide them doing the Australian punting. Uh, as far as the return men, Trevor Wilson, punt returner. Luke Grimm is the backup kick return. You got Kenny Logan or Trevor Wilson or Savion Morrison. The way I read that one is Kenny Logan is going to be your primary kick returner when he's good, but there's going to be times when he's beat up. There's going to be times when he's tired. He was maybe on the sure, field yeah. for a long yeah, period of time. just on defense. Yeah. Yes, and to where he's not going to return kicks. Um, but that means Trevor Wilson's going to have a, a big hand if he is one of your oars on kick return and he's your starting punt return guy, which is something they kind of missed last year. I mean, they, they didn't yeah. have Trevor Wilson on special teams, and he is an explosive guy with the ball in his hands and, and speedy, and maybe he can help them in that regard. Yeah, I'm curious about this because... Trevor Wilson was a known commodity as a returner, right? Then you go into the preseason and you have the out the field stuff that sets him back. But by the end of the season, that was kind of in the rearview mirror, and he still wasn't returning punts and kicks. So what? I guess I'm. I guess I don't understand what really changed in the off season to where they were like, okay, actually, yeah, you can't go back to doing this. I think it had something to do with kind of losing your spot from the off the field stuff, okay. and then and then he also had an injury in yeah I mean, he, he did suffer an injury okay and I forget what the injury was but I think it's just those all right uh, that is the KU depth chart he's Nick Springer I'm Derek Johnson David Lesky joins us in 15 minutes we got some KU football player audio next this is RCST on KLWN depend on it. welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're joined now on a Monday by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, is he enemy number one? Or as we get ready to football season, Joe Burrow? What uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what do we do with Julio Rodriguez? Do we just uh, avoid him at all costs? Yeah, so they play, what, seven games a year against the Mariners, and then maybe six, I guess some teams are six. That's... Somewhere between like 25 and 30 plate appearances, just walk him. Just give him 30 walks. <laughs> be done. I know he can steal bases. I don't care. Stop pitching to him. Okay. I think we can all get on board with that. Uh, just a one in five week for the Royals last year, uh, or last week, I'm sorry. Uh, the sweep to the Mariners, and you lose the series to the A's. So, you know, you go one in five, including with the A's, doesn't sound great, but. Does the does the losing feel better or, or different now with just some of these closer games that are happening? Yeah, it does because they have a chance to win. Um, I, I was struck, you know, I, I didn't say this because I don't, know, I don't want to be the guy who's like making excuses for the Royals or anything. But can you, I, I, I would feel like if I'm a big league club going into Oakland, it would be really difficult in those games. Because there is just no atmosphere. Like, you can, even on the road, you in Seattle, that, that place was rocking. Like, you can get up for that. How do you get up for a game in Oakland right now? Like, how, how do you play there and say, yeah, this is, this is big league baseball? Um, not saying that's why they lost two out of three, but um, just, just something that crossed my mind while I was watching those games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're playing close games. They have a chance to win most nights. I mean, Saturday they didn't, didn't at all. But... Those happen. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that then you have to start to parse out. Are they losing close games because they're three players away? Or are they losing close games because they're seven players away? Eight, 12 players, you know, whatever the number is. Um, somewhere in between, probably, for the world. I don't think it's, I don't think it's three, I don't think it's 12. But, um, you know, it, it, it gives you a little more hope because it's, 
it's a lot easier to watch a team losing six to four and say, okay, they can score an extra run and give up one fewer. And then I, mean, I know that's five to five, but you get the idea. Um, then when they're losing nine to three every night, and you're like, all right, well, they got to figure out a way to score three or four more runs and give up three or four fewer. It just it it feels like there's a lot more opportunity to improve quickly uh, or quicker, I guess, which is is really all people want to see right now. Brady Singer had a, a tough go round his his last start and. Uh, the velocity drop has been something that's been kind of noticeable over the last couple here. How concerning is that for him? Um, you know, I was honestly less concerned until I saw the Royals were pushing him a couple days. And that makes me wonder, okay, do they see something? Now, there are some reasons that it's not concerning. I wrote that this morning. One, um, he changed his changeup. And, and it sometimes looks a lot more like a sinker. And I went back and looked at a handful. He threw, I think it was 33 sinkers on uh, Friday night. There are like eight to 10 of them that kind of have the characteristics of his changeup, but maybe like two miles per hour harder. And, and so if you look at, if those end up being changeups, I didn't do the math, but I, I think just, just off the top of my head, I feel like that would add about a mile per hour to his average sinker velocity which then puts him right on par with his, with his season numbers. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit less concerned with that in mind. Um, but, again, the Royals skip, they're moving back a day or two days, I guess, with the off day on Thursday. I don't know. It, it, it's a bit concerning. Also, he's at 143 in the third innings. His career high was last year at 153 in the third, plus whatever he did in the minors. Um, you know, maybe he's just wearing down a little bit. That's certainly possible. You, you'd like you'd like to think he's a guy who can give you 175 innings, and you know, maybe he can next year, but he's just not quite there yet. I don't know, but um, it's it's at least something to watch for the rest of the year. John McMillan has struck out eight of I think 12 hitters he's faced, or 13 since coming up. Yeah, 13 uh, hitters, yeah, yeah, 13, yeah. So obviously, either way, very very impressive stuff from him. I guess, uh, is that sustainable? Do you think he has a role maybe in the bullpen in the future? I don't know that 8 out of 13 is sustainable. Um, gosh, think about that. How many batters <laughs> is, is that over the course of a year? That's four innings. Um, you multiply that by, let's give him 60, multiply that by 15. Uh, what is that? 195, 8 times 15 is, oh gosh, that's 120 strikeouts. In 60 innings, um, that should have been much easier math than I, than I made it out to be. But um, I don't know that that's sustainable. That said, you look at like what Felix Bautista was doing in Baltimore. He was at like 17 strikeouts per nine. He may have dropped. I haven't looked at his numbers in the last few days. But um, it, what the ability to get a strikeout is 100% sustainable. Um, this is what he was doing in the minors. And it's just every level he's done it a little better than he did at the level before. So, um, you know, I, I thought there might be a little bit of a struggle just because he, he hasn't, he at times can struggle with control. Um, and we haven't seen that yet. So, you know, that could still be coming, but I mean, gosh, this, this guy looks like a late inning reliever. I mean, he, he is the, he's the, he's, he's the prototype pretty much. He, he throws strikes, he gets swings and misses, um, and he throws hard. There you go. Close games out. You're done. You're good. So 
if you look ahead to the 2024 bullpen, eight guys, you feel pretty good about at least one of them. And it's, and it's the guy with four innings pitched at the big league level, which is both damning and impressive. Well, okay, go, going into more, I guess, of that, that bullpen in the back end, Carlos Hernandez has a nine ERA in, in the month of August. I know there are certain guys that maybe struggle with the – and I hate saying this about players because I, I'm not in the locker room. I don't, I don't know the guy. I don't know his mentality and all that sort of stuff. But there are certain guys that struggle to make that transition that they can be the best pitcher in the world in the eighth inning, but in the ninth inning they struggle. And then there's guys who are vice versa who they're so used to closing in the ninth inning that when they get moved to the seventh or eighth, they struggle. Just I don't know if it's the comfort of it or just what you're used to. or I, I don't know what goes into that. Uh, is this this stretch of that nine ERA over August? Do you just attribute that to a couple blow up outing, outings? Do you attribute that to maybe him struggling to be a closer and maybe he's better off in a different role? Or uh, uh, do you not really put much weight into it? I tend to think the sample is too small. Um, that's not to say that it that wouldn't bear out over the over the longer haul, but. If you look at Hernandez's August, one thing that I, I want to keep in mind, and, you know, he, he put himself in a bad situation, but I go back to that Boston game when he gave the walk-off grand slam. He got a strikeout. He got a strikeout, and the first base umpire was literally not watching. And so then said, no, the guy didn't swing. Um, so that took a strikeout off the board added a walk, and then gave him another batter where he gave up four runs on one swing when he was probably a little bit upset. Um, and I have heard from various people some mature questions about Carlos Hernandez. So that, that, doesn't, that doesn't say that – that's not to say that he should be taken off the hook for giving up a grand slam or for putting the first two guys on base in that situation. But I think if you – if you look at proper umpiring in that game, you can take a walk-off, four runs, and add a strikeout to his numbers. And all of a sudden, they're not good in August, but they're like, ah, all right, it's fine. Um, so that's just to say that relievers are so volatile because it's such a small sample, even over the course of a full season. I, I think the stuff has been there. He's looked better lately. Um, got out of a big jam was that in Oakland on Thursday, on Wednesday. Must have been. Yeah, it was. It was because Jackson Kohar walked three. Um, he got out of that jam with bases loaded and one out and got out of that and then threw a – I think he gave up a – or hit a batter maybe in the ninth. But, um, yeah, he the stuff is there. Uh, I'm not terribly worried about it. I do feel like maybe he's better served kind of not necessarily as a middle reliever but more as a fireman. Um, so I, I think that – yeah, if you can find a guy to pitch the ninth inning, that, that's probably better for him. But I'm not terribly worried about him, no. What do the Royals have long-term in Alec Marsh? I think they have a big leaguer. So yeah, that, that's the first step. Is, is, can he pitch at this level? I think yes. Um, the question then becomes, can he start? or Or is he always going to have to be a guy who... You, you you work around a little bit. I mean, he he did pretty well in his bulk outings. Um, I thought he looked really good yesterday. Was that just yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, I thought he looked really good. His fastball looked really good. He hung a couple breaking balls. That happens. Um, I'd like to see some additional refinement from him to know if he can be a starter. 
the thing I like about Marsh, it's the same thing I like about Bubich and Lynch, and on the hitting side, you know, guys who guys who work, guys who work and try different things. Alec Marsh really understands pitching, and so if, if he sees the numbers, he goes, "Okay, I did this. I want to do this. It did this. How do I fix this?" I think that he's a guy who can do that, um, and, and I think there's a lot of value in that. So. If I had to count on a guy to figure things out, I would count on Marsh doing it. But as of right now, I don't know what the role is. I just I, I think he's proven he's a big leaguer, though. Yeah, I I uh, I've kind of been debating where I think he would slot into like an ideal rotation. Let Let's say twenty twenty five comes around and and Cole Reagans has had another really good start last week. In addition to what Alec Marsh looked like, what what of these would feel better to you? Would it feel better if I told you Alec Marsh is the Royals four in 2025, or would it feel better to you if I told you Cole Reagans is the Royals number one? Probably Alec Marsh as the four, um, because that means that he's solidified something. I think that if the Royals have three starters better than Alec Marsh, I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean it's close. I think that's a really good question um, because. To have Cole Reagans be a number one, which he looked like in most of his starts, um, but yeah, I, I think Marsh is a four or a five would be really more exciting because, and, and a legitimate one, not just because hey they need somebody to pick the fourth team of the year. You know, um, yeah, I think that would be more interesting and and better a better marker for the future. You talked about in your what do you think? Oh well, I, I guess it depends. Like if you're telling me that Cole Reagans is the number one. Is that indicative that the rest of the staff around him isn't very good, or is yeah. he the number one because he is living up to? I mean, the flashes that we're seeing now is it more consistent and even even brighter, right? Because if if you're saying him being a number one is Zach Granke prime Royals, then it's like, yeah, I'd take that because the the impact of that sure. is more important. But I I do agree with you. I think I would take the number four because if. If you're filling out the depth and, and you're saying that Alec Marsh is good enough to be your number four and you feel good that, yeah, even if Cole Reagans isn't your number one in a couple of years, you feel like he'll probably be a number two or number three. Maybe Brady Singer's still around and you know doing well. Who knows if, if you were to be traded by then or, or what the deal would be. That I think that would make you feel good uh, about the, uh, the pitching staff. And I think to that notion, uh, something that you wrote about in the Weekend Review this week uh, was – uh, about you being optimistic that they are going to spend a little bit of money in the offseason this year and go for free agents. When you look at the positions they would look to fortify, does anything come to mind for you? I mean, it's got to be the pitching staff, right? Like, you, you can go out and sign an outfielder, and that's fine. Um, not, the, the, the free agent bats are kind of weak this year. Um, but also, if you look around the diamond, this is a weird thing to say about a team that's 50 games under five hundred. But who are you replacing? I, I mean, uh, you're not going to go get a third. Although Michael Garcia, he's an interesting, interesting player to look at because we all pencil him in and say he's the starting third baseman. He has an 87 weighted runs created plus this year. <clears throat> I mean, the defense is great, and he he puts that on ball and he hits the ball hard. But there's just no power in that bat. And I wonder, you know, maybe maybe, maybe he isn't solidified in that position. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm just being a little bit critical right now. But other than that, you, let's, let's assume he's there. Garcia, Witt, Massey. You feel good about that. Vinny Pasquantino will be back. You feel good about him. You feel good about, I mean, even if Salvador Perez gets traded, you feel pretty good about Freddie Fermin right now. And then Melendez has played well. Isabel and Waters have played well. Velasquez has looked good. 
uh, you know, I'm not saying you can't go out and improve on that, but do you need to? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I wouldn't, I would, I have no problem getting some depth, um, or making one of these guys depth. That's fine. But if you say, hey, we've got enough money to sign five guys, wouldn't you rather sign five pitchers with the way the pitching staff is looked at it? I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, uh, who knows, maybe it's like the uh, the San Francisco Giants approach. They, they, the Carlos Correa thing happened, and then they went out and just got a bunch of guys, like, you know, Ross Stripling, yeah. Sean Manaya, and yeah, they haven't been great, but hey, they're in the wild card race. So uh, that's something, that's yeah. something uh, to be up. Now, okay, this feels like it happened, like, a month ago at this point, but I think it was actually like the day after we talked to you, maybe the ballpark renderings came out for the Royals. What did you make of those and, and the possibilities of, of what the new ballpark could look like? My God, you're right. That was less than a week ago. I know. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I thought the renderings were interesting. Um, one thing that I was cautioned about is, Hey, these are not final. So let's not get all, up in arms. That's not to say you shouldn't say, hey, where's the crown or why are there so few fountains or whatever. I get that. Um, I was more interested in not the ballparks, but the, the parks around the ballparks. I thought those were, to me, of more interest just because ballpark design changes so much throughout the process. Um, I, I thought they were both interesting. I, I didn't expect to like the North Kansas City one more, but I think I like the North Kansas City one more. Um, I like the idea of being more horizontal than vertical. I like the idea of it being more of a neighborhood. Um, I don't know how much time you've spent in that in that area, but there's some really cool stuff going on in North Kansas City over there. So you know, there's a lot to do that's already there. Not there's not in downtown, but um, yeah, I thought I I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked both of them. Um, there's some very real work to do on the actual stadiums, I think, before we get a final drawing, but. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. All right, who is your player of the week? And and you don't even have to have a, a separate category from Bobby Witt this week because he was kind enough to uh, just have kind of a, a not great week so that we could pick somebody else. Yeah, he took a step back. Um, Drew Waters had a good week, not great. So he's my number two. Uh, my number one, Cole Reagan. Six shutout innings, 11 strikeouts, no walks. Um, we don't get pitcher very often in this little award. But Cole Reagans was so good that he deserves it. There we go. You can check out all of David's work at Inside the Crown. You can subscribe to his Substack. You'll get stuff emailed right to your inbox every day. David, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, have a great rest of your week. You too. Thanks, Derek. All right, that's David Lesky, Inside the Crown, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays coming up next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How oh, is it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. 
All right, it is that time for Case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going around the sports world, the regular world, and let you know who is having a Case of the Mondays today. I'm having the opposite of the Case of the Mondays, man. It's really? football week. It's King of Football you week. Having a good day? Why would you not be excited? You having a good day today? I'm ready, baby. Okay, I'm ready happy for to hear football. That. Yeah, that's great. Are you not having a good day? No, I'm having a, I'm having a good day, yeah. It yeah, no, sound it's like it. No, I mean, it's a great day. I'm offended. What are you offended about? I'm offended that you're not having a good day, and I am. What does it matter? Well, I, you're having a good I, day. Who cares? I would. Pref- <laughs> I want to share the love, man. Okay, right, well, uh, thank who's you. Yeah, no, my, Mondays my day's fine. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the 49ers and Trey Lance are having a case of the Mondays. He was traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a mid-round pick. Yeah, so, I, I don't, I don't really even know where to begin with this. To be honest, I mean, you, you, you're gonna roll out Brock Purdy, really? And Sam Darnold. Now, on the flip side, that means that Trey Lance, you would think, must be really bad. Or I don't know. I guess. I mean, I, but yeah, this is a steal. And like, if I, if the Chiefs didn't have Patrick Mahomes, I would be very, very upset. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, dude, you could have given a fifth round pick for a top three guy that maybe could be uh, the future of your franchise potentially. Like, who? why wouldn't you pick up the phone and give him a call about that? But the Chiefs have Mahomes, so it's fine. I don't care. Anyways, uh, yeah, this is interesting, and it's indicative of what a lot of people have uh, discussed for a long time in that do you really believe in Dak Prescott? Do you really believe that Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback? Do you really believe that he is the, can be the face of a franchise, the biggest franchise in sports? Well, the Cowboys are now even signaling – themselves, maybe that's not the case here because he's due for a contract we, we in what a year or two. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that far away. So yeah, it could it could be indicative of something with the Cowboys, which I yeah it is kind of interesting for them because they're like, well, why would you do this? Well, it's a, a low risk move, and like you said, if Dak and also Dak had some injuries here, um, I, I think this is unfortunate for both the 49ers and Trey Lance though, because if you're Trey Lance, obviously not just the team who drafted you is kind of given up on you. But also now you're being traded into a backup role. You're not even at a spot where it's like, well, you know, he got traded to the Buccaneers, where it's like maybe he could start. You know, that's not going to happen unless I'm Dak sure there Prescott are people that injured. think he maybe can one. start this year. No way, no, not with Dallas. Um, the 49ers, from their standpoint, it's like you had to cut ties with the guy who you spent all this pick capital on to go get, and it's it's not just that they used a high pick on him. Yeah, you didn't get anything in return. No, they, they traded a ton of picks to get him. I think in the end, like, basically what they, they wound up giving up, like, allowed the Dolphins to get, like, Jalen Waddle and a couple of these other, like, really good players that have fortified their roster, which just imagine if you had those in addition to being the, the 49ers. At the same point in time, I, I still don't really blame the 49ers because it's like, you I have mean, to take the risk with the quarterback. If you can't beat out Brock Purdy or yeah. Sam Darnold, what are we doing? Yeah, because that's the thing. He was the third string. I mean, what, so. is, what is going on? I guess not. Uh, Matthew Stafford trying to be young is part of Case of the Mondays here. So uh, Kelly Stafford, who is his wife, has her own podcast. It's called The Morning After with Cal- Kelly Stafford. And uh, she had some stuff to share that Matthew Stafford is having trouble gelling with his young teammates. <laughs> she said, it's kind of crazy. Matthew's been in the league a long time. He's like, the difference in the locker room has changed so significantly. They have a lot of rookies on their team. They're very young, but he's like, I feel like I can't connect. In the old days, you'd come out of practice. You'd shower and people would be playing cards, interacting. Who knows what they're doing? 
but they're doing something together, playing ping pong. They have a tournament going on. They'd at least be talking. But now they get out of practice and meetings during training camp, and they go straight to their phones. No one looks up from their phones. Matthew's like, I don't know. Am I the dad? Do I take their phones? What do I do here? He's like, I want them to see me not as a coach. They say sir to him and stuff. He's like, no, we're on the same level here. We're both playing in the league. Let me get to know you. He said it. Uh, it's so different and so hard to get to know these guys that he had a book printed out. He had the equipment guy get a book printed of all their faces and all their names because he's like, I need to know their names. We need to talk. So I'm going to find their names. I'm going to say, hey, so-and-so, how was your weekend? So they know I know them, and maybe we should get to know each other so there's chemistry on the field. There's a lot going on there. First of all, does Matthew not being like called Matt? Oh, that's a good question. Kelly Stafford calls him Matthew. In every reference, I could see Matt. I could see Matthew Stafford being fine with it, but I could see her being not fine with it. Interesting. Like he's like, call me whatever, but she's like, no, <laughs> it's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, moving on from that. Uh, yeah, that was a whole bunch of gobbledygook about just whatever. I mean, dude, listen, this is just how things are, man. People, you know, generations are different, but like, I don't know, like it shouldn't be that hard. You know, it shouldn't be that hard. You should be able to just go and say, hey, let me talk to you real quick. Because I don't, I don't know, man. This this seems like such a non-story to me. Like, I just don't care. I literally don't care. I, I just got to be honest with you. I don't wow. care. All right, grumpy kills. No, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you think this is happening in, in more locker rooms around the... Like, we didn't hear about this with Tom Brady. We don't hear about this with Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it's such a non-story. Because yeah. no one cares. Like, whatever. You can't. Sorry, you don't know the names of every player on the whole team. Like, Figure it out. Sorry. Yeah. Who cares? It's fine. Uh, KU having to beat a Manning in the future is case of the Mondays. It's not that they can't or won't beat them. It's just that it's going to feel a little wrong to do so. Uh, Evan Manning, the son of Danny Manning, maybe the, the most accomplished player in KU basketball history, who uh, Evan Manning also played at KU. He has been kind of going around with different like assistant jobs or whatever yeah. jobs you want to call them. He now got hired to be the director of ops at Arizona. And as you know, Arizona is joining the Big 12. KU will be playing Arizona in coming years. That means that KU is going to have to beat one of their own. Because that's the thing. They never had to play against Danny Manning as a coach. They never played against him when he was the, the interim coach at Maryland or the head coach at Wake Forest or the head coach at Tulsa. They never played against him. You didn't have that weird awkwardness going on there. Um, it's going to be weird. going to be weird if you beat Evan Manning a little bit. But yeah, so, I, I do think to a, a separate notion, we always hear all the time, people will ask, like, who's going to be the head coach whenever Bill Self retires? Who's the guy? Yeah. And there, there's a, a, a section of KU fans that, it, like, they At always will toss in the former KU players or yes. KU guys. Yeah. So it's like, oh, could it be Danny Manning? It's like, well, no, it's not. No. Jock Bond. Right. That one maybe has a little bit more, more legs to it. But, um... With Evan Manning, is there any scenario now that this starts the path of him to eventually be KU coach in the future? He's the director of ops at Arizona. <clears throat> Arizona has an assistant coach get hired somewhere else. They bump him from director of ops to one of the assistant coaches on the bench. Then in four years from now, he gets a job at you know some Conference USA school or some like Mountain West school. Does well there for three, four years. Takes a lower power five job. Um, and does well for a year or two, and then boom, the Kansas job is open. What if Evan Manning is the next head coach at Kansas? Mm. So let's think about this. 
Bill Self was hired at Kansas when he was, what, 39, 38? Yeah, it was like late 30s. 40? Early 40s, maybe. 40? So he's, so he's been here for 20 years, and he's 61, I think. So maybe when he was 41. Mm-hmm. So the point being, Evan Manning is 30. And he is seen as the guy who's rising, like you said, rising up the ranks and has been moving to, to the different assistant jobs. And the path that you laid out could be very possible. I think for I think KU, probably just based, based off what they do with Bill Self, to, in my mind, KU, whenever Bill Self does decide to move on, which the funny thing is, is you know that t- all those conversations have been totally tabled because yes. Bill Self has been reinvigorated and he's come back, and it really does seem like he's prepared to coach for the next five years plus at least. So you know, a couple years ago, there was a lot more conversation about what's gonna, what's KU gonna do? What, what, what are we gonna do, guys? What are we gonna do? And now it's like, oh, okay, we're fine for another. You know, Bill Self's fine. But the point being, I think that KU, whenever that does happen, is probably going to be looking to target a younger guy who will be able to sustain and be the coach for a long time at KU. I mean, think about it. KU, and KU's 100-plus history, 100-plus year history of basketball at KU, they've had, what, six head coaches, I think? Or seven, maybe? So the point being, I think they would probably want a guy that they think would be here for the long term. And you're right. What if Evan Manning is at Arizona, becomes an assistant coach, and then maybe becomes a head coach somewhere, uh, maybe a you know a mid major or an upper or a lower level power five school, and get and, and you know does has a lot of success. And let's say it's nine years from now, and Evan Manning's thirty nine, and he's been a head coach for a couple of years, and Bill Self has decided he wants to hang it up. I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, obviously, you know, a, a, so many things have to happen right. between now and then. But like the thought process, I guess, could be there. It's kind of interesting, uh, to say the least. Okay, Texas is having a case of the Mondays today. Uh, Well, maybe not yet, but this could be a precursor. Uh, They did a college game day on uh, Saturday. It wasn't like an actual college game day. They weren't anywhere. I don't know why they didn't just go to like Dublin or something. Go to, you know, one of the games. Not Um, on ESPN's budget. I guess, but like go to, wouldn't that be cool if they were like, hey, we're first time ever we're going to UTEP or first time ever. Like that would have been a cool excuse to go to a school you've never been before because there weren't that many schools playing week zero. Nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, they did a in-studio college game day and they did like a college football season preview. Everybody on the desk picked Texas to win the Big 12. And yep. a lot of times the everybody old knows. college game day jinx. When everybody picks. See, yep. Yes. Everybody on the desk picked the same team. It's a bad. lot of times it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, it's bad. Especially if you're picking somebody to win the conference. This isn't picking somebody to win a game where it's like, oh, you're going to overmatch them. This is to win a conference and it's Texas and the Texas is back narrative. Um, this is going to be a disaster for the Longhorns. They're not winning yes. the Big 12. I'm convinced It, it now. could be a disaster for, for Texas if they don't. If they don't win the Big 12. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, it's the old, it's the classic college game day jinx. You always want at least one person on the desk to pick the other team because otherwise everybody picks your team, you will lose. That is the written rules of college football. That's just how it goes. I don't, I don't make the rules. It's not my fault. It's just, that's just how it is. Yeah, it's just how it is. You have to deal with it. No other way of going around it. Um, Arizona State, and I, I don't know who's at fault necessarily for this. We'll get into this here in a second. Uh, for Case of the Mondays, though, they're feeling it today. They self-imposed a one-year bowl ban. So I don't know if this is the president, which we've talked before about the president for Arizona State. He's very, like, pro-academics, anti-sports, and he was a reason why, it, you know, they might not have joined the Big 12, but then once enough stuff happened, they kind of just had to take the life raft uh, for some reason or another. 
Uh, he is not well received by a lot of the Arizona State sports fans. So I don't know if this was a hidden decision. Obviously, if you're the president, like you have a hand in in doing things like this and accepting self-imposed bans well, like this, like you have to bad sign anyways. off on it. Uh, yes, this is that the age is old, like we suck, so we're just gonna ban ourselves from possibly being decently good, but we suck anyways. Yeah, but also like Arizona State like hasn't been. It's not like they've been where like Kansas has been. No, you know I know I mean? they normally they normally win five games or you know four. They're normally close to a bowl game. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like they've. Been, I feel like they've been a team that's been in a lot of bowl games. I mean, so last year they were three nines. Yes, they were very bad. But like eight and five, I'm gonna skip the COVID. No, because they, they had. Uh, yeah, because they had they had Jaden Daniels. Yeah, from 2017 to- through 2021, every year they won seven or eight games outside of the COVID year because they only played four. Yeah. Um, you know, they won 10 games in 2013 and 2014. Like, they're a decent, you know, program. So, it, it's it's sort of a big deal. They brought in a ton of transfers. They have a new coach. He was the former offense coordinator at Oregon. Um, a source told ESPN that the re- reaction among players in the team meeting was devastating. Approximately 20 players on the roster expected to play their final season. And uh, one of the seniors and veterans told ESPN, quote, their entire goal this year was to right the ship and to make a bowl game. Here's here's why it's case of the Mondays to meet Arizona State. I agree okay. with you from standpoint of if it's the NCAA being like you have to do this or this is going to happen, then sure you don't think you're going to be very good this year. Get it out of the way now. But like, I think first of all the NCAA is kind of showing more recently they are willing well, yeah, to not a, give the bull bands and yeah. be like we want to take away other things. We're going to fine you, take away yeah, scholarships. Also, they are a toothless organization as it is. Yes, and that's the thing. Just fight them. Just fight yeah. the NCAA instead. Yeah. You're, you're better off doing that. No, I, I agree. I, I, I've kind of turned. I've kind of turned on this to the idea of if you just fight the NCAA, yeah, it'll be a long, drawn out process, but you'll probably end up better for it. Yes. Versus you know trying to self-impose because. Either you get the Oklahoma State treatment where you'll self-impose and be like, "Oh, you're, or you know, you'll you'll comply," and then the NCAA will hammer you, or you know, you'll just draw it out and it'll end up probably being fine. Yep. Uh, case of the Monday's last one here for Marcus Adams. Marcus Adams, the former four-star commit to the University of Kansas, left the program within like a week or two of being around the program. It was a very weird situation, and what happened ends up going to Gonzaga. And what was odd yeah, about committed that? Committed to Gonzaga without ever taking. A visit. Yes, commit. Yeah. He was supposed to take a visit to Gonzaga. I, I forget what weekend it was, but it was over a weekend. And then all of a sudden, he posted something on his like Instagram story that was like, "Not going to make it out to my visit this weekend, but I've got good news." Next day, commits to Gonzaga without visiting there. So that was kind of weird to begin with. And then you add in the fact that he was talking about you know a lot of things of, about why he left Kansas seemed kind of similar to Gonzaga. Like I don't know how he was going to get on the court as much at Gonzaga, and uh, it was like, oh, I, I it was too rural of a, a place here now Gonzaga Spokane has a bigger population but it's kind of a rural place too um, anyway he ends up leaving Gonzaga officially uh, I guess he never officially enrolled in the school yeah and now he is once again in the transfer portal so he never technically has to re-enter the portal because he never correct enrolled. but he uh, did so, have to enter the portal to begin with from Kansas yes so he is so using a, his free transfer yeah so it's a it's a bizarre situation obviously you hope the best for him but uh it's a yeah it's kind of a real head scratcher there I mean yeah you never know what's what's going on with the kid, but hopefully he's ends up at a place that's right for him and you know makes some better makes some good decisions. But uh, yeah, this is a, an interesting one because you're right. I think the uh, the thought process was when he decided to commit to Gonzaga. Well, it's a similar situation to Kansas. It's a top program where you're going to be fighting tooth and nail to try to get on the court, which is going to be the same case as you were at Kansas. And 
there, you know, other factors were pretty similar, like you outlined. So, yeah, I don't know. The whole situation is, is kind of puzzling. And I, I think from the Kansas perspective, it seems like maybe you, maybe it, it's, it's going to end up working itself out for the KU program in the sense of, you know, I mean, we've talked about it, right? When you bring in a bunch of new guys, whether it's transfers and or freshmen, that's a lot of new faces in, in the locker room together that have to gel together relatively quickly. And so yeah. if it didn't work out right away, with Marcus Adams, then you know maybe it's kind of best, best for best for both worlds at this point, where KU is able to, to kind of keep doing their thing. And like I said, hopefully Marcus Adams does find a place that is right for him, and he can showcase his skills. Because I think, I think, I think he does have talent. I don't think there's any question about his athletic ability, but uh, he just needs to find where he wants to go. I guess. Well, apparently, he's going to be visiting BYU, mm. which means he ends up going there, Provo, Utah. KU would play him this year. Dude, how does that, by the way, how does that happen? KU has an, un, and obviously I don't pay attention to other schools as closely, so maybe this actually does happen to other schools more often, but KU basketball specifically has an uncanny ability of guys leaving the program and finding ways to get to other teams that are going to play KU. Yeah, that's a good point. How does that happen? Does uh, it, I, like and again, Thompson I don't, and... yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't obviously pay attention to other schools, so maybe it happens to other schools too, but it feels like it happens a lot with KU where... A guy transfers out, and somehow the KU ends up playing. Yeah, just want that revenge factor. I don't know, man. Feels like to me that, uh, I don't know, th- this might sound too mean, but I-, I think it probably was best that he did not stick around KU, probably for both parties. Um, so good luck to him, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions there now. All right, he's Nick. I'm Derek. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got a uh, RCST football trivia semifinal matchup coming on later in the hour. Coming up next, though, the Chiefs had their third and final preseason game. Let's discuss our takeaways on the other side. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We have won a semifinal matchup today. We'll have another one on Thursday, and then our championship matchup on Friday here for RCST Football Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And uh, 23rd Street Brewery with dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available at the outdoor patio now that the weather is not a billion degrees every day. Uh, <laughs> try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. I know Monday nights it is buy two for 10 bucks over at the brewery. Uh, so this is Blake Farrell, who has arguably been our best competitor over the course of everything, from the start of the regular season through now, through the playoffs, to Aaron Mayer, who has caught fire over the last uh, two weeks mainly in the playoffs, but even the the week or two before to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, any idea on how you're kind of pegging this matchup here, or, I don't know, point spread or something like that? Yeah, th- this is an interesting matchup, kind of like you outlined, because Blake, I think, has been by far our most consistently high-level performing player of this season, probably, and uh, deserving of the two-seed uh, as, as such. And Aaron, on the other hand, started the season with a, a really tough matchup and then bounced back and has really been seemingly progressively getting better and better uh, over the course of the season. He's hit multiple really hard. He's, he's been really sharp in the playoffs. And so this is a fascinating matchup. It's a it's a it's the age-old question of do you ride the hot hand here or do you go with maybe on paper the better team uh, in this case? So I'm really excited for this clash between these two guys. And these are both really, really talented guys, so I'm expecting a, a fun matchup. I am too. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy with custom awards. They're also engraving experts in Lawrence. You can check out their wide variety of product selection in town. They're right down the street from us on 6th Street. Or check out all their stuff online because it's much more than just trophies and plaques with Jayhawk Trophy. We're also brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash. 
They've got many locations at McDonald's in the Lawrence or surrounding areas. Mr. D's Auto Wash right here in Lawrence. Get your car washed, then you can grab a bite to eat at McDonald's or vice versa with how you want to do between the two of those. All right, into our uh, lone matchup of the day between Blake and Aaron. This is our first semifinal matchup of our CST Football Trivia 2023. We have the 11 seed Aaron Mayer and the 2 seed Blake Farrell. Blake has gone 4-0, 65 points. Aaron, 4-1 with 59 points so far. Blake, you are the only person who had a bye week in the first round of the playoffs who advanced. So I, I don't know if that says something about the randomness, the craziness of trivia. I don't know if it's something about you know being rusty if you had the week off. How were you able to overcome the deadly bye week? I think I got the right questions. I know Brad said he would have got all mine as well, so I think I just got kind of lucky with the questions there. Aaron, meanwhile, for you, you have gotten hot. You you beat the six seed, then you beat the three seed. Now you're trying to take down the two seed. Why do you feel so much better right now than you did maybe in, in the first week of the season? Well, to be honest, Derek, I, I don't feel much better. Uh, I'm actually at home for the first time this year during a competition, and uh, just... I feel a little, I feel a little weird. I'm, I'm used to going down to my car and getting ready for this and doing a little bit of studying, but today I just kind of relaxed. Um, so he might get me today. I'm, I'm not nearly as prepared as usual. So we'll see how it goes. Right, well, we'll yeah, you're right. We will see how that goes, and uh, maybe we'll see if a trend emerges. Uh, by the way, this is the McDonald's Big Mac Bowl. So the winner gets all the Big Macs here between Aaron and Blake, and to play for the championship, which is going to come on Friday. Aaron, you are the lower seed here. Do you want heads or tails on the coin flip? Heads has treated me good this year. Let's go with heads. All right. It is heads. <laughs> Treats you well again. I will go second. Okay. Blake, you're going to start us off. We have our four rounds of questions. Then we have a possible fifth question if we are not tied and the scores within reach. So, Blake, you up first in the easy round for three points. Kansas hosted College Game Day in 2022 for their game against what Big 12 opponent? TCU. That's right. TCU. And uh, they ended up falling by just seven points in that game. Aaron, your first question. After Jalen Daniels was injured in the first half of that game against TCU, what quarterback started the second half for the Jayhawks? Jason Bean. Right, played himself a heck of a game and almost had Kansas beat TCU. Would have completely changed how college football went last week. Georgia probably still would have won it. But outside of that, it changed how the college football landscape would have been. All right, three to three, the score into the second quarter of play. These are now worth six points. Back to you, Blake. Against Indiana State in the Les Miles era season opener, how did Kansas score the first touchdown of the Les Miles era? So, I need you to tell me what type of a score it was. If you have questions on what makes sense of that, like a, a passing touchdown, for instance. Ten seconds. Five seconds. Just throw out some way of scoring. Defensive touchdown. I need you to be a little more specific. Uh, interception return. That is correct. Hassan defense had a pick six. <laughs> All right. Nine wow. to three is the score. All right, Aaron, your question. Puka Williams 
The final touchdown of his KU career came on a kick return on the road against what Big 12 opponent in 2020 that Les Miles was not coaching? Man, that 2020 year was so forgettable. Oh, my goodness. No, we didn't play Texas. Ten seconds. Oh, my God. Uh, I was thinking. Correct answer on this one was West Virginia. That was the game that Les Miles was out with COVID. West Virginia. Okay. His final touchdown on the kick return. Nine to three is the score. Blake in the lead, headed into the hard round. These are worth seven points. Blake, who led the 2013 Jayhawks, which was a Charlie Weiss coach team, in receiving yards with 333 of them? Not a lot. Ten seconds. Justin McKay. Mm. Correct answer on this one is actually one of the, I don't know, running back receiver hybrids, Tony Pearson. Tony Pearson led the team in receiving yards that year in 2013, which is 333 of them. Okay, Aaron, your follow-up question to take the lead. What other Jayhawk led the 2013 team in receptions with only 25 of them. Uh, Let's go DJ Bashir's. Correct answer was a running back, James Sims. It was only 25 catches, which allowed him to lead the way there. That's why those were hard. All right, it's nine to three. Blake, if you can hit this really hard question, then you would put the pressure on Aaron that he'd have to hit the really hard, still have a chance with a fifth question. So your question for eight points here, Blake. In KU's 2018 road victory against Central Michigan that snapped their over 40-game road losing streak, what Jayhawk wide receiver caught the first touchdown pass for KU? Ten seconds. Jalen Charlotte. This one is a receiver that I I don't remember who this person is. No Bro, offense what? to this person. You remember who this is? Yes. Okay. Uh, Kerr Johnson. Kerr the Kerr Blur. Johnson. Come on, man. Okay. Well, Nick remembers him more than I do. Dude, Kerr the Blur? Seriously? I don't remember man. that. All right. Nine to three, Aaron, that means you can take the lead here in the fourth quarter, but by Blake missing that, no matter what, we have guaranteed ourselves a fifth question. So, Aaron, your question for eight points. In KU's 2018 road victory against Central Michigan that snapped their over 40-game road losing streak, what Jayhawk defensive back logged a pick six?
Oh man, I feel like I can see him. I think he had dreads. Ah. Oh. oh my god. Um. Ten seconds. Correct answer is Shaquille Taylor. Shaquille Taylor. Okay, it's nine to three. And uh, Aaron, you're trailing, so you do have a fifth question here to take a chance. Um, But obviously trailing nine to three, you're going to need to hit something here and then hope that Blake misses... Uh, a lower difficulty question. So, do you want to go for a medium to tie it up, or do you want to go for the hard to take the lead? Go for hard. All right. Hard question for you. This Jayhawk receiver played at KU from 2015 to 2017 before eventually transferring to Arkansas to finish his career. Chase Harrell. Chase Harrell is correct. You knew that one right off the bat. All right, so you have put at least a little bit of pressure on Blake here with that seven-point answer. You up 10-9. to nine. Fortunately, though, for you, Blake, because of the lead that you pushed yourself out to, all you got to do is answer an easy here. Do you want to answer something more difficult, though? Man, I'm struggling. These questions have been so difficult today. I don't even know if I want to go up to medium. Um, let's, let's go medium. On, let's go for the win. Okay, you just need an easy to go for the win, to be clear. I mean, Wait, easy ties it, right? Easy, you you were down ten to nine. So an easy would win it for you, but the medium would oh, be the 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 Hutzva question, I guess. Wait, an easy would win? I thought an easy would oh I'm I thought I'm down. Wait a you second. You were down ten to here. nine. An easy is worth three points. Oh, an easy's worth three. Give me yeah. the easy. I'm sorry. I thought okay. it was one. Okay, I totally <laughs> okay. lost track there. Easy, let's go. All right. First name Jim A. This Jayhawk tight end was all big twelve second team in twenty fourteen. Mundine. Mundine is correct. And Blake, you were going through to the championship round, a 12 to 10 final score through our five rounds of play. You got through in the end there. I guess the difference was the the medium round. Um, what did what did you have trouble with as you I mean you got the question at the very end, but what was giving you trouble on that one with the uh, pick six? Uh, I totally had forgot that game. Like I remember winning it on like a late touchdown, but everything else was just kind of wiped from my memory. So maybe too many drinks at the tailgate beforehand. I don't know. Aaron, uh, uh, the medium that you missed with the West Virginia one, did you just not remember the the game Les Miles missed? Did you not remember the the whole season, the Puka Williams? What went wrong there? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a very forgettable season. Um, I think I also had a lot of weddings that year, shockingly, during covid uh including my own wedding but I, so i missed uh, a lot of games um if it was the other way around that would have worked out a lot better for me i did know kerr johnson i was mm. i was mad once you uh asked that question and then um shaq taylor uh, i'm pretty certain he had dreads i i can i envisioned him i remember that play and i just i i couldn't think of the name mm. that's a tough way to lose sometimes questions just don't go your way but uh, Blake, you're moving on. Aaron, as I've been doing for people who get eliminated, uh, open forum. Uh, anything you want to, I don't know, predict, hot takes, for KU football, just something you're excited for for the season to start later this week. Uh, sure. I, um, I'm very excited for that K-State game. Um, I work in Manhattan. I've worked in Manhattan for the last six, seven years, and it 
sucks. I cannot stand <laughs> being the only KU fan in, in my building. And when football season rolls around, I just get trash talked a lot. And um, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that. So that way I can finally say something back for the first time in many, many years. Uh, so looking forward to that game. Awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate being a part of this. And Blake, we'll see you back Friday in the championship. Hey, thank you very much. So that's tough. That's tough. Uh, the medium round questions, maybe a little tougher than than we're used to. I don't know. It's I, the I, semifinals, man. You can yeah. expect a little bit of a ramp up. Yeah, that's fair for sure. Um, I, I thought the, the game less Miles missed was the hint that was going to allow Aaron to get the medium one. And I thought the... But okay, I'm kind of with Aaron on that, man. Like the yeah, 2020 season, you went, you went no, 0 9. You went 0 9. You, I mean, there wasn't really anything to really remember about yeah. that season. <laughs> so I, I get it. That's that's a, that's yeah. A tough I, season I definitely to, think they got t- like the, the hard ones. I don't think should be really hard because typically with the really hards, it should be tough for me in my eyes. Where it's like you might not even know this guy's name. You might be able to. Everybody knows James Sims, Tony Pearson. Um, yeah. So that's why how, they weren't dude, really hard. How does not have, how does not everybody know Kerr Johnson? Come on, I, that's the thing. I don't know. Come on, man. But like, I, I do think that the hard ones were hard. I think those were fine where they were. The medium ones probably tended closer to being hard. Uh, the really hards were were obviously still really hard. Um, that would have been interesting if if Blake would have just stayed in the medium question. I think he would have got it. Looking at the question that would have been asked him, I'm not going to ask it because it could come up later. I think he would have got yeah, it. No spoilers. To be fair. But yeah, man, twelve to ten, the victory there. A little bit lower scoring than we were used to the previous round, but I, I think you just chalked that up to, to being kind of the questions case. I I think there's something to the notion though with like Blake when you're a really good team like Blake has been right. He's yeah. he's undefeated to this point. He's yeah. you know been a an awesome all the way through this thing. Sometimes you have that game where you have to survive it. Oh, absolutely. And once you do that, then you're unstoppable, dude. It's the classic. Uh, you know, regular season where, you know, over the course of a, multiple games, you're going to have a game where you're probably not going to play your A game, right? You can't expect to play your A or A-plus level game week in and week out. You're going to have some C games in there. You're going to have some B-minus games in there. You're going to have some games where you're not, maybe not as sharp, right? And mm-hmm. you're right. The good teams still find ways to win those games. And that's what we saw here today with Blake because this was a low, lower scoring game. The pressure was still on. It was kind of down in the mud. And he was able to still to pull out a, a victory. So, you know, being able to win in lots of different ways is another sign of, of a really quality team. It is. And I feel bad for Aaron. The question just didn't go his way today, but he yeah. is uh I mean he'd been on a hell of a run. He he did. Hell yeah. of a run to even get here. He's obviously going home with some good prizes. Uh, by the way, the prizes in, in case because I have had a couple people ask me, like, oh, what are the prizes I've won? Uh, so everybody who was in trivia, you're getting a football trivia t-shirt from Lawrence Shirt Factory, a free McDonald's breakfast sandwich, a free McDonald's small McCafe frappe. The 12 who made the playoffs are getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. The eight who made the quarterfinals are getting a $25 gift card to Johnny's Tavern, a Mr. D's auto wash gift card for a free car wash, a uh, one free small shake. Uh, voucher to McDonald's, one free medium frozen beverage to McDonald's, and one free lunch or dinner sandwich from McDonald's. And then the four who made it to this point in the semifinals, you're also getting a a $25 gift card to McDonald's and an RCST engraved water bottle, uh, tumbler, whatever you want to call it, from Jayhawk Trophy, which I know Aaron already has one of those. Yeah, so uh, I have one for myself. He's going to be able to double down. It's, it's I know awesome. Kyle has one too. Yeah, so they're, they're going to be are, able to, you know. They're fantastic. You have 
two for for the day. Uh, now Blake, that he's made the title game, and whoever meets him there, the two in the title game, you get another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, another free small shake, another free medium frozen beverage, another free lunch or dinner sandwich for McDonald's, and then the champion gets another $25 gift card to the brewery and the big championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. Yep. We're also and- brought to you here by uh, Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern celebrating its 70th year anniversary, and they have all their locations from the original in North Lawrence to their over double-digit locations from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. Try all the great food or try all the great beer, including the Blue Collar Lager, which you can now get to go. It's a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. And I just wanted to add, the, the prizes stack. So Correct. every round, you accumulate more, more and more. So it keeps piling up for you. Yeah, so I mean, to this point, for making the, the four, you basically gotten like, I don't know, over fifty dollars in gift cards, more than that, seventy five gift, gift cards, cards, plus a bunch of free vouchers and other yep. stuff. Probably about a two hundred dollar prize value or something. So yep. you know, yep. all right. Uh, this that's been our CST football trivia for today. We'll have another one on Thursday. Two hours down, one to go. We got our KU football superlative segment. We still got some Lance Leipold audio to get to as well. This is our CST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. We will get to the Lance Leipold press conference audio coming up in our next segment here of the show. Tomorrow we're going to be joined by Matt Tate and Kevin Flaherty. Don't forget you can check out anything you ever miss on the Best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts and at KUSports.com. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a cannot-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in a couple years. Change comes fast. Kansas went from two wins a year ago to six wins this year. They're trying to move it up. Other teams are trying to move it up. You can bet on all the action going down this weekend with a full slate of college football in front of you. Life's more fun when you're in on that action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KLWN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, we've got our uh, trusty bowl with our folded up pieces of paper for our KU superlatives. It's just different things that are written on them. We're going to each draw one and see uh, what we come up with for today. Draw it out. And Nick, who refuses to stop calling me that, um, (laughs) also has said that we've drawn too many boring boring ones lately. So how about this one? This is not a boring one. Okay. Who will have the longest touchdown of the year? Oh, that is not a boring one. That's a fun one. Okay. You can come at this from a lot of different angles. So first off, you could look at it and say, what if Kenny Logan returns a kickoff for a touchdown? Yeah, but you're anti-kick return, so I don't what think you can take uh, that. What if Savion Morrison returns a kickoff for a touchdown? You can't take that. You're anti-kick return. You go beyond that, you start to think, okay, who's the uh, who's the fastest player on the team? One, Jason Bean. What if they run a jet sweep for Jason Bean and he runs uh, for 90 the one-yard line jet sweep, Jason Bean? <laughs> no, no, it is. I mean, dude, it doesn't have to be that long. I mean, you know. I mean, think about it. What was KU's longest touchdown last year? It's a good question. So you have so in contention, you have the Kobe Bryant pick six. You have the Daniel Highshaw touchdown against Duke. Jason Bean's touchdown run against Oklahoma State, but I don't think that was I don't I think those other ones were longer. 
I, it might I don't be think Kobe Bryant's Kobe pick Bryant six. won. I don't know, man. That was probably what, like eighty? Yeah, but I mean, I think that might have been the longest. That's what I'm saying. Like when it comes to touchdowns, unless you get a kickoff return, 60, 70 yards could be the longest play, the longest touchdown you have. They've got to have one longer than that. The Jared Casey right? Texas Tech touchdown is probably pretty close. I would think. Well, we asked that trivia question the other day. The Gale Sayers had 99 yards, so why True. can't a KU player match that? But that didn't happen last year. <laughs> Accurate. I, th- I think it's either I think it's either Kobe pick six, Daniel Highshaw against Duke, Jared Casey against Texas Tech. Those are my top three answers. Okay, so Jalen Daniels had a 73-yard completion. Was it for a touchdown? Um, I don't know. Because when I go to the receiving category and I sort by longest, the longest says 66, which was the Jared Casey. <laughs> so I don't know who had the 73-yard uh, there. Uh, for rushing the ball, Devin Neal had an 80-yarder. Oh, against uh, Was Tennessee that Tennessee Tech? Tech? I think it was Tennessee Tech. And then Jason Beans was 73 yards against Oklahoma State. Okay, what about the Kobe Bryant pick six? Uh, that might be tougher to find. What? Well, just because, like, when you think of... I don't know, like that's not like a easily accessible stat, like yards off interception. Just, return. Go, to, just go to Kansas versus West Virginia, and it'll tell you. All right, whatever. Um, so I'll I'll look up that. But uh, I don't know. The thing with if you pick someone to have a pick six, because that could clearly ha- it could even happen at the goal line, and then it's a hundred yes, yards. That's what I'm saying. Same with the kick return. Like that could be ninety five. Yeah, so that could be so, hundred. Yeah, it could so be one hundred five. You're either gonna say you're gonna get a kickoff return or a long fumble or pick six, or it's just going to be in the run of play. So right. then it could be Jason Bean. It could be Devin Neal. It could be. It was 86 uh, for Kobe. Okay. That that's, been the that's the longest play, yeah. longest touchdown. I feel like that's the best call to make, but also it's your. But that, is that going to happen again? That's the thing. You don't know. Or are you safer saying, are you safer picking, you know, Quentin Skinner? Maybe Quentin Skinner gets a 75 yard touchdown catch. Right. Because Kobe Bryant might only have two or three interceptions all year long. So exactly. you're. And it could be somebody else, but I don't know. That becomes harder to predict. So I think you are better off predicting something else. Something else. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, if I'm going to so, go so offense. Your speedsters are Jason Bean. Sure. Quentin Skinner. Savion Morrison. Devin Neal. Daniel Highshaw. I could see Savion Morrison busting off like a 70-yard touchdown I, at some point I, on, I think so on too. just some gadget play. I think so, too. Um, honestly, the or answer if, to this or, might or, be some you, random Andy Kotelnicki trick play. I was about to say, what is Tory Lachlan? Exactly. Just, right? What if you have a trick play and it's Tory Lachlan wide open and he yeah. scores? You know, no, I, or, I another, think or another Jared Casey play. Yeah, if you're if you're taking offensively though, Daniel Highshar, Devin Neal, probably or Quentin top. Skinner. Yeah, those are the ones that I think stick out. I, I would. Jason Bean doesn't do anything though. for you. No, not really. I don't know if the playing time is going to be there. Um, I'm I'm going to go. He needs one play. I'm going to go Kenny Logan. I think Kenny Logan on a kick return. But also, if you take Kenny Logan, I guess hypothetically, that gives you a potential pick six the other way, too. True. Yeah, that's true. But for me... That's true. Maybe you're getting your most bang for your buck with Kenny Logan. He's been a good kick returner in his career. What about Trevor Wilson? That could be a good one, too. Because Trevor Wilson... Or you could... Or long long reception. Right? Yeah. Um, Kenny Logan only has one kick return touchdown for his career, but he has, like, several others that he's almost taken to the house. That he's gotten, like, stopped at the 20 or the 10 or something. So I'm going to Kenny Logan. I'll say that he has a kick Mm. return for, like, 90, 95 yards this year. And that's Mm. the one to beat. Interesting. Well, as you know, I love Savion Morrison. <laughs> yeah. So I could go with Savion Morrison. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pick Devin Neal. I think Devin Neal will just break off a. I mean, I mean, think about it. Yeah, an 80 yard, 80 yard or last yeah. year, and without, close to doing with, it. Exactly, exactly. So I'll just go Devin Neal here. You know he's gonna get the ball a lot. 
he's going to have a chance probably to maybe bust off some big runs. And, uh, yeah, I'll go Devin Neal. Devin Neal. All right. You draw one now. All right. Now it's my turn to draw. We don't have very many left, to be honest. All right. Well, I mean, it's almost game day. True. That's a good point. Breakout offensive player. Hmm. So who fits this category? Yeah, again, it's it's levels of what you want to talk about with breakout. I don't think Jalen Daniels can be a breakout. No. Nope. The only thing he can break out from is injury. Bars. I think you I think right. Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, and with the receivers, it's tough because like I think you could say one of them breaks out if you think yeah, one of them could have like a thousand like a th- yards. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. But I think Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal out of contention. Mm-hmm. Probably I don't know. What do you I mean with Daniel Highshaw? I don't. I have a hard time picking him too. No, I, yeah, I do too. Uh, to me, Trevor Cardell is a name that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, breakout player. We we saw the depth chart today. He's listed as an OR with Jared Casey. Yep. Playing time could be. No, I don't know what the stats look like. What if his stats at the end of the year are? That's the thing. We've, Sixteen we've had, we've, catches for yeah. two hundred yards and two touchdowns. We've had this conversation right? before. What if Jared Casey, quote unquote, breaks out because he's an impact player, but he, but Mason Fairchild has better stats than him? It makes it hard. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, if, if I'm going to go with, like, because I was about to say an offensive lineman. but you could okay. pick an offensive lineman. So Trevor Cardell, over the course of his career, 2021 and 2022, has a combined 10 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown. So if okay. he even does the numbers so that I said. 20 catches. Yeah, if he goes 20 catches for 250 and three touchdowns. touchdowns. Three touchdowns? I don't know. Why not? Like tight end. Okay, fine. Sure. Whatever. And he does that, and he's more impactful. He's playing more snaps. I think that would be the answer then. I think that could be a breakout guy. Because, I mean, it's it's just hard offensively because you don't have a lot of unknowns. There is a lot of knowns. There yeah. isn't a lot of breakouts. So, on the, o, on the O-line, you could pick Armaji Reed Adams. Yeah, and it's hard on offensive line because it's like you don't have stats to no, be like, or, or it's be, not flashy where yeah, people are going to be like, like breakout. Wow, what a great block. Right. Wow, I mean, what a could, great job. You can make the case that Armaji Reed Adams already is the answer. He has broken out to being a full-time starter now, yeah, but which this you would is assume. into the season. This is this is not who's a breakout offensive player right now. It's the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, does, Bryce Cable do? Does, does that do anything for you? Maybe. Does Does Dylan McDuffie do anything for you? No. I. First of all, can you be a breakout if you were not on the team last year? Then you're just a newcomer. Uh, I guess I hadn't considered that. I don't know. No, I feel like you can be. Okay. Because breakout just means that like you're a guy on the team who's maybe not expected to do as much, and then you break out, right? Is there going to be that role available? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean... Probably not, unless there's an injury in front of him. But you know, again, going back to the Jared, Jared, going back to the Trevor Cardell discussion, what if he averages seven yards a carry on maybe you know maybe it's only fifty yards, maybe it's only fifty carries for the season, or you know, sixty carries for the season. But if he averages seven yards a carry or whatever, you might throw him in there. I kind of want to go Bryce Cable do. I mean, through through all the guys that they brought in, you have Calvin Clemens as a, a freshman. You have Logan Brown that you bring in, former five-star kid who we hear a ton about. Kobe Baines can even kick out to the offensive tackle position. I guess same for Spencer Lavelle. There was it, it never wave, wavered that Bryce Cable do was a starter. He it never wavered. Yeah, not once, right? No, to where every starting projected depth chart, like all the way from spring ball all the way to now. Bryce Cable was the starter. Yeah. And for him to and overcome I don't, that. I don't think people expected that. No, I don't think so. I, I thought it was going to be more of a competition. You know, I go back 2021, he was uh, he was certainly thrown into the fire as a young player. Even 2020. 2020, he was, I think, a true freshman playing probably before he should have been. 
He had a 50 grade on Pro Football Focus, goes up to a 55 grade in 2021, up to a 57 in 2022. But specifically, as a pass blocker, 2021, he was only a 47.5 pass blocking grade on Pro Football Focus. 2022, he goes up to a 57. That's a big enough jump there. You still want to see another jump forward this year, which to be clear, though, he had an 83 pass blocking grade against Arkansas and a 71 against K-State the last two games of the season. So maybe he was trending in the right direction. That happens. I, I kind of want to go with Bryce Cable do. Wow. I think that's yeah. a fun one. That would be a fun one, yeah. But I think Armaj Reed Adams too. It's it's yeah. He he's a he's he's probably likely. gonna have more fun highlights because when you're a six five three hundred twenty five pound guard, well, there's gonna, gonna be plays. Dude. He's just gonna you're run just gonna somebody blow over. Some, yeah, you're just gonna blow some guys up, and people are gonna go, "Wow, mm-hmm. look at that dude!" You know, mauling people. Would you give any credence to Tanaka Scott? Potentially. The issue is like, I mean, I just don't see how you can break out when you have. Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, and Quentin Skinner in front of you. I just don't see I don't see the path to you getting enough impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and mean, that's three quality receivers that are in front of you if you're Tanaka Scott. Or if you're Doug Emelian. Or if you're mm. Trevor Wilson. Like so it's just I just have a hard time viewing seeing those guys as being able to, you know, break out like that. Sure. I don't know. All right, so who do you who do you want to settle on? Uh Saban Morrison. <laughs> You, <laughs> I think you would pick Savion Morrison for boy. everything if you could. That's my guy. Okay, that's my guy. Um, I I think our Reed Adams is my pick. I want to go with, but I am going to go with Bryce Cable. Though I what think there's enough Bain? fun there. Huh? What about Jason? Bain? No, dude. What? what if he? Dude, again, what if he's you know? Doesn't last year breakout? No, and he's probably going to play more last year than this year. At least you hope, uh, because that would mean Jalen got yeah. injured again. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, Cable, by the way, I was looking. His profile last year had him at 300 pounds. He's at 315 now, so I think that helps too. Just adding more. Yeah, weight we, we to were it. doing we were doing a little bit of Weight Watchers mm-hmm. on the. Uh, on yeah, the who stood out there to see if there I mean, was we mentioned any... O and P earlier six six two fifty. Yeah, to see if there was anybody that was uh, maybe dramatically different, or maybe yeah, if there was any inflated numbers potentially. But yeah, I mean the strength training of KU has been a hot topic this offseason and we'll see uh, you know how much it pays off once they get into the season all right we're gonna take a time out we've got some uh, lance leipold press conference audio from earlier today we're gonna get that to you on the other side with nick springer i'm Derek johnson this is rock shock sports talk you're listening on fm 1017 1320 klwn klwn.com and the klwn app depend on it well that's it if you're listening on our podcast side thanks for tuning in please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of rcst podcast if you do have any questions for the show whether it's for a mailbag just something you think that would be fun to talk about you can reach out to us on our twitter page at rcst1320 you can also email us if you don't have twitter rcst1320am at gmail.com that's rcst1320am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast